Hello and welcome to Goblet of Wine, a Drunken Harry Potter podcast. I'm Hannah and Charlie isn't here because this is editing Hannah recording this intro. Uh, we managed to get drunk and forget to record the intros for this episode. So that's gone well for us. In today's episode, we read chapters 17 and 18 of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. So grab a glass of your favourite alcoholic beverage and join us on this reminiscent journey. Charlie. How are you? I am warm. That's it. I'm warm. I'm just yeah. warm. I've got How a very sweaty chest. I just told you all about my <laughs> sweaty chest, didn't I? You did tell me in detail. Unfortunately, I can't reach out and touch it because this is the next episode of Recording Separately. Yeah, you would not want to anyway. No, I wouldn't. But the option has has gone. I just yeah. I just can't. I yeah, so same as the last two episodes, guys, just a little bit before, if you're listening to this in three years time and COVID is over, we're recording separately. So if there are any little sound issues, just roll I with it, please. <laughs> I certainly hope it's over in three years. How do we normally do this? What do we do now? <laughs> now we, we chat some bullshit. So if that was enough bullshit for you, then we do some thank yous and some reviews and we generally say what we've been up to so the first thank you that we have for a review left goes out to simple x dreams who says i mean they said a lot and it was amazing but their key bullet points is that they could only listen to one podcast for the rest of their life they'd pick us uh they listened to all episodes three times and it took them 20 episodes to tell the difference between us which you're not the only one don't worry people have listened to the entire thing and still don't know this people is like talk this to us is on Charlie. Discord and are still unsure this is yeah. hannah like, I'm slightly deeper, slightly more nasal, and a bit less posh. <laughs> Hannah is There's shrill. a very small difference. And she breathes a lot. <laughs> I'm the heavy breather. Huge thank you to Malin, who says we make them burst out with laughter, and their boyfriend watches them concerned. Maybe get your boyfriend on the podcast band. Don't do that. Or don't, dump the boyfriend. Involved. Whoa! Whoa. Just, I'm team dumping all boyfriends, including Neil. <laughs> and we also have some new Patreons to thank. So big thank you to Emily May. And to Jasmine. And to Mia, who have all joined Team Patreon. And they now get access to lots of our bonus content and our Discord. Including a bonus episode that we're recording later with Neil that Hannah won't tell me what it is. <laughs> yeah. So Hannah... Fun. What are you drinking? I went for an an old classic. I went for an amaretto and coke. Oh, reminds me of university. That was like um, amaretto slash disarano and coke, and also JD and coke was like the first mm. stuff I started drinking. Yeah, it's a very like classic university because you just you just can put a load in and you can't taste how much alcohol is in there. Mm -hmm. I thought I wanted some caffeine. Guys, send me like quarantine cocktail recipes with like things you can find in the house yeah or you need my way yeah or you need to do what i did and go to home oh bargains which for anyone there are not no home bargains english in but it's basically like this discount shop that sells everything you could ever imagine and it's all okay. really cheap and crappy so i went in there and found the worst possible alcohol that i could find great please tell me what it is did you watch teletubbies when you were younger Obviously, I watched Teletubbies. Do you remember the pink gloop? Tubby Custard. 
What is it actually? Why so, have you got it in a martini glass? What is this bougie light? Hold on. Can I just... I just need to take a little photo of you. What What have you done? So for the people that can't see this, it is what essentially looks like pink custard or like a pink milkshake. It is luminous pink and not remotely opaque. Like, is that the right one? Opaque? It's like you can't see it. It's completely trans lucent no no otherwise like it's opaque i don't know the way around i'm Maybe not very smart yeah um, it is the least appealing looking thing but what is it what it actually is, is it also looks like hippo milk yeah it is sidekick strawberry and cream it is 14.5 percent and i've put it in a martini glass because i was like with something this not classy i have to class it up Oh my god, Sidekick is that brand that do the knockoff, knockoff apple sours. So you know you get apple sours, and yeah. then you get cactus jacks. Yeah. And then you get Sidekick. Yeah, it was about four pounds, and it honestly, I'm, I will tweet and Instagram a photo because it looks fucking disgusting. I've not tried it. Is it? Um, oh, you haven't tried it? No. Try it, try it, try it. Let me- oh no. Yes? No? No, it's I, it's vile, but I knew it was going to be vile. It's like, I don't even know. <laughs> Fuck me. Oh my God, it can't be that bad. I think it's meant to be cold. No, it is cold, but then it was cold and then left on the floor for a while. Uh, um, it's like drinking like strawberry milk, but then okay. that tastes really alcoholic. Like, I am surprised at how alcoholic that tastes. Well, hold on. You said it was 14%, right? And you're drinking it straight out the bottle. Yeah. Bear in mind, wine is 11%. Yeah. But, so that's pretty damn strong. Yeah, and I know that, but because it's so like thick and milkshakey, I just assumed that the taste would be covered up, but it is like it burns when you swallow. Oh my god. Burns when you swallow, burns but when that's you also, pees when you burn. That's also why I put it in a martini glass, because it's 14.5 cents. Uh, chapter 17, The Four Champions. The Four Champions. So it jumps in immediately where we left off. The whole hall is silent. And Harry kind of stumbles upwards. Hermione has to push him uh, because Dumbledore is calling his name. And you can really feel the emotion Harry's feeling. Like, I, it almost feels like a heartbeat. It's like, boom, 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 boom. Boom, boom, like it's really well written. You can hear the silence, the buzzing silence. Yeah, they did it well in the film. It was just so fucking awkward. Um, yeah. So Harry gets sent into a small room off the hall with the other champions. And he says he feels small compared to them, which is actually really relatable because like, although there isn't that much like with a three-year age gap now, like with our age, there was a huge age gap between 14 and 17. Like, do you remember sixth formers at school used to feel like real adults? They used to be like, yeah. oh, they're grown up. They know what they're doing. And a 14, and when you were 14, you were like, wow, like they've just got it all together. So that's how I imagine Harry's feeling and why he's feeling kind of small. <laughs> Yeah, I enjoy when Fleur, Fleur calls him... Uh, wow, I can't talk. It's been two minutes. <laughs> anyway, I like when Fleur calls him a little boy. That's I fine. know. Little boy. So the teachers come in. Everyone is angry, confused. But Dumbledore asks Harry if he put his name in the Goblet of Fire. Calmly. 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 We'll save it for the film. Great. So one of them, and I didn't write down who, of course, but I think like Ludo Bagman or something is like, it's down in the rules you're obliged. Why? I know. I wrote again, what does it mean if he doesn't? They keep saying it's a contract, but no one will explain what will happen if he 
doesn't compete. I know. You do just get like massive vibes of just like Dumbledore does just want this to play out. Like that's clearly what's going on because it's just... I don't know. I think that's something they added to the film, which I never really liked i do think there is some sort of binding magical contract i just wish someone would explain the consequences of it yeah it just mm, yeah anyway everyone is real pissed off like the other headmasters headmistress are just like what the fuck is this shit dumbledore you cheat blah 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 having a real hissy fit and then dumbledore says a line did you ask an older student to put it in for you this mm. line greatly upsets me because it implies that that would have worked and that Dumbledore knew it would have worked. And it just really shows there was a tweet that's been going around right now about how why didn't Harry just get like, why didn't he fake the signature in the third book to let him go into Hogsmeade? And this is how I've explained that way, not by magic, but just because that is a muggle solution. And we know that wizards just don't think well, of no, they solutions did, they did discuss that though dean offered to forge it but only after harry had said to professor mcgonagall he didn't have it signed oh, so okay. it might have worked but yeah you're right it's like would that as dumbledore saying this would have worked would he need an older student to do it at because the thing is dumbledore says did you get an older student to do it but that can't be the only thing at play here because two hogwarts champions came out but yeah. if he had done that with hogwarts underneath like and if harry was the one the goblet wanted would it have chose like does the older student thing work yeah because he like he said that so that's basically confirming like i would imagine that dumbledore when he did the age line was thinking oh they could get around it by getting someone else to do it but then thinking that actually they won't think of that like i think it just really sums up how like the wizard community thinks they always think magic first and they don't think like of like practical muggle solutions yeah so moody enters and he is the first one to suggest that it is a plot to kill harry and everyone there is kind of like you crazy man this no this is just harry being a little shit and he's like no 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 why would he want to enter and um is crouch just showing off here because he is obviously the one that did it and this is crouch junior by the way because crouch senior is also in the room is it that thing where people who like commit crimes people who are quite kind of sociopathic psychopathic whatever the right word is want recognition for the smart crime they've done like you know it's that classic thing of how the villain always tangles themselves up because they have to explain what they've done because they're so proud of it they actually want someone to know their achievements it doesn't feel good unless people know how smart they are so does he come in the room to do this to be like i was so smart someone has to know i don't want them thinking that harry's just an idiot or is he probably the more reasonable explanation is he's trying to frame carker off to dumbledore so dumbledore doesn't begin to suspect anything with him I think it's both because I think he even like says how he do- did it. He's like, they could have written him under a fourth school. Mm. And it's like, he had that there ready to go. If I didn't yeah. think that should have raised suspicion, but it didn't because they were like, oh, it's just moody. But like, yeah, I think it's definitely both. It's 
half him trying to act in character and trying to like spread blame but also him wanting to gloat about how he did it and how it's smart and it is really smart because that is such a simple solution and a lot of wizards would go about it as like you know how can i curse my way around this but i think the fact that barty crouch jr spent so many years like imprisoned not being able to do magic both when he was in um azkaban and then also when he was um Mm at home just under the Imperius curse like he's not been able to use magical solutions yeah so he thinks of like more like practical muggle ways of doing things and it yeah. is really really I mean, smart it, it's one of those things sometimes the simplest solution is the one that you need yeah he does mention that it still needs a really really powerful confundus charm to make the whole thing work because you have to make the goblet forget that it's only picking three but the actual way the name was dropped in is incredibly simple. Yeah, but also headcanon that that for school that he wrote down was definitely pick farts, like from a very Potter musical. So Crouch then says the date of the first task and says they cannot ask for or accept help from any teachers, which we soon learn is just a bullshit rule. Mm-hmm. Um, we also learn that the champions are exempt from end of year tests. But like, oh, this is like when they did it at the end of the second book. What does that mean? mean does that like obviously it doesn't affect harry that much he's just doing end of year tests but for cedric does it mean that like being in the championship is equivalent to five top level newts is it like i wrote down is it like okay did you have b-techs in your school did you do a b-tech yeah what okay so you did do a b-tech okay so we didn't do b-techs in our school uh we were only allowed to do gcse's because b-techs were seen as lesser or whatever i've stupid school but we were told or people who got b-techs used to tell us that if they got a distinction star in a b-tech it was worth four a-star gcses and this just used to rub me up the wrong way i was like what do you mean i've been taking four classes you've been taking one and it equals the same so it basically is doing the tournament the equivalent of getting a distinction star in a b-tech i mean first of all b-tech definitely is not equivalent like it's it's the same it's not more than it it's the same no like, everyone used to tell me and people but that's got bullshit in, like... <laughs> it's just it is bullshit it's one of those things they just say it's not actually true we used to have a rule where if our school bus didn't turn up by 9 a.m uh 10 a.m or something like that i can't remember that we were all just allowed to go home <laughs> it's not a real rule like it's not is that's just what people used to say because b-techs were so looked down upon and like i will defend b-techs because they just tended to be the more like creative vocational subjects like i think and they were they were better taught for the creative subjects like they had better curriculums like i'm trying to remember what b-techs i did i think i did media for like b-tech gcse which i didn't want to take but what i picked they didn't run and then I can't remember if like photography or textiles were GCSEs or BTEC. They could have been either. But it literally was like exactly the same. It's just like a yeah. word for being like, this is more creative, which is why people shit on it because they're like, oh, it's creative. But then mm. it's just nonsense. So that's why I like BTEC students, because we had that in our school as well, that they would say that. Literally Yeah, nonsense. we were told this all the time because we didn't study BTECs in our school and they'd be like, you may hear that they're worth like four GCSEs at blah 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 and I was like what is this I'm confused no just <laughs> but anyway nonsense. like what does this mean for Cedric he's gonna leave school with not a single newt or it means that they just give him predicted grades but as we know from this whole lockdown thing predict- predicted grades just don't work like that's not 
how it yeah, works it's not, and, a, not a great system yeah and as well because my sister's a teacher right now and they're having to all like just give them their predicted grades but how they're doing it is basically they not only have to give them predicted grades but they then have to out of their classes say 30 students they have to from 1 to 30 write down in order of okay one top student 30 is the bottom student and they're not allowed to say have two in second place it literally has to be 30 students 1 to 30 and then that's how they're using it to say say if you were like okay my class is full of geniuses and they're all like a star students so you all predict them a stars but then you had to write them down in one to thirty it would then put it from like d grade to a star like using that to break it down to try and make it fair and to stop bias but obviously that doesn't stop bias when you will naturally have classes just with different abilities yeah, this is why, like, because every year they change the weighting of different exams dependent on pupils' results. But it's like, but that doesn't make sense if a year happens to be smarter. Their grades now mean less than the previous year because you weighted them. Like, yeah. T- uh, yeah, I assume they're just giving Cedric. Pred- and I also assume, you know, if you compete in the Triwizard tournament, you could then pretty much, like, it means you're the kind of person who wants like a particular job and that is gonna help you get that particular job like you'd go to the interview that'll be on your cv and they'd be like oh yeah like you showed those attributes that you had them in the triwizard tournament so because i suppose newts kind of matter a bit less in the wizarding world because they don't have a higher education system so they're more looking it's more like when you leave university and realize that the grade you got at university means nothing because it's just about practical job skills yeah I know no one has ever asked me what grade I got I know it annoys me so much because I did well I'm like why did I care I know I remember crying when I was like I think like two percent off a first I cried and now I'm just like what yeah I know and I know I once nearly quit university because I got a two in one module oh my god i clearly you know i can't i can't do that like i'm not good enough and now i'm like nobody fucking cares nobody asked me i know and like one of um my old bosses who is doing like unfairly well in her career who got a tutu in like media and you're like what (laughs) it It means nothing it means nothing so i assume newts mean nothing because they go straight to applying for jobs which is also bizarre but anyway we just you can tell that we're two like massive nerds that like wanted to do really well in school because we're just like but what about their grades and their qualifications and i know i'm like what does it mean oh, it's just like, basically both hermione yeah we are we are big time so harry goes up to the dormitory and the whole of gryffindor is celebrating but before but that harry- on his walk he's just like mentally debating whether someone's trying to kill him or not it's like harry yes yes <laughs> someone's always trying to kill you mate <laughs> and then the fat lady is such a mood because she's drunk with her friend yeah she's like violet's told me everything maybe we should like cosplay at some point as the fat lady and violet i let's think i think they're us let's, let's do it tiktok waiting to happen <laughs> harry is not in the mood for everyone celebrating he's like can you please leave me alone leave me did you just spill your hippo milk everywhere yeah that's gonna be sticky so he heads up to his room ron is there which harry is relieved about but ron is being weird he kind of says congratulations in this really forced voice and then it turns out he does not believe harry harry can say whatever he wants that he didn't enter his name in but ron does not believe him 
Uh, and they start being really horrible to each other. Yeah, once again, your notes versus mine. I wrote, he goes up to the dormitory and Ron is in a huff with him. He's being a jealous little bitch. I can't get over how furry my teeth are. (laughs) From like half a glass. It's a really surprising bit of the series i think when ron and harry fall out like it both is and isn't surprising because it's within ron's character and it's a real development of ron's character but also like their friendship has been a really integral part of the first three books like harry and ron are always together and they always agree and they always get on and they just they have this very easy friendship they don't really need to question it and then suddenly it's like oh we're losing that element like we're losing this really key part yeah, I'm I'm glad it doesn't go on for long. I hate this bit in this book and I hate the bit in the seventh book as well when Ron's not there because he just adds a lot. He does. You need the full yeah, trio. It's like the bit in the third book and then the bit in the sixth book when Hermione falls out with them. I'm like, I just need the trio together. Yeah, I know. And that's how the chapter ends. Yeah. So Shall we move on to the longest chapter in the history of the world? Yes. Chapter 18, The Weighing of the Wands. I swear I was reading this today for 10 hours. (laughs) I actually feel like chapter 20 was longer. I don't know. Like I enjoyed both. And I know these are some of my favorite chapters when I normally read the books. It's just note taking wise. I can tell how long things normally take. And I was like, are we we still going? Oh my God. And this chapter is like half a chapter of like nothing. Literally just filler. And then like half a chapter of like a lot happening. Yeah. So yeah. Harry wakes up feeling like shit. Ron's already at breakfast. Harry and Hermione walk around the grounds eating toast so that Harry can, like, get away from everyone and, like, explain, like, what's been going on. And Hermione, like, obviously believes him because she's such a babe. And I love this moment. I think it's such, like, a cute Harry and Hermione I love how she understands him. Uh, yeah, yeah I love that before she even sees him, she goes up to find him with Toast because she knows he won't want to go into the Great yeah. Hall. Like, she very intuitively... she So this really shows how much she intuitively understands both of them because she knows that Harry doesn't want to go in the Great Hall. But she also... Ron hasn't told her he's jealous, but Hermione's the one to explain to Harry, Ron's jealous of you. Like, he he has stood by your side for the last three years and you're famous and this is one time too many so she just knows these two i think you can really see here that that thing that teenagers have around this age where people are maturing at different rates and it's not always necessarily a girls mature faster thing but hermione is just so much more emotionally intelligent than both boys at this point yeah i had the same note like she's very perceptive and i was like it's cute how deeply hermione understands ron like it's so cute yeah like she really just like has it down and she's anticipated how he's feeling which is cute but at the same time like it's a bit annoying how you have like harry and ron both being completely unperceptive and not thinking about like other people's perspectives and then you have to have hermione having that almost like parent like yeah i think it does fit with her character in this book because she's emotionally a lot more mature than the boys in other ways like she handles her crush and her thing with crumb a hell of a lot better than the boys handle their crushes she's just a lot further along yeah which we've discussed could be because of the time turner thing but yeah i understand why and i do think it fits with her character but i think that a lot of the time it annoys me that her character's written in that way because yeah yeah she's more than that kind of mum figure but yeah, yeah she really understands ron in a way that harry can't yet or won't yet 
And I think that's, re- I also find it really interesting that she isn't angry at Ron at all. Like she, she knows Harry's angry at Ron, but she's not angry that he's not believing her. She's like, I understand where he's coming from. You need to reach out to him, Harry. And she's trying to force them together, but she's not like, Ron, I'm not going to speak to you because you're not speaking to Harry. And I think, although I hate that like Ron and Harry have fallen out, I really like that the books are now going into Ron's essential flaw because his character has been a little bit two-dimensional up until this point. He's like the best friend. He's funny. We haven't got this like emotional depth that we're getting now and it becomes a very, very integral part of the books. This character flaw that Ron has, this jealousy and not thinking he lives, lives up to anything and being friends with Harry is really fucking hard for Ron. Yeah. So then um, Hermione is basically trying to convince Harry that he's got to write to Sirius to tell him what's happening. Um, And she says, you know what we've got to do once we get up to the castle? And Harry's like, yes, give Ron a big kick up the arse. (laughs) I love it. Oh, Harry. No, darling. (laughs) Oh, question. Tell me what you think about me. For Americans, did they use the word arse in your editions? Or ass? Or ass? Did they make it something less rude? Tweet us. Let us know. Send us pictures of your books. Charlie love loves it. it when I say that because the great thing about running a podcast is I think what we both still forget is it's not YouTube and it's not just the first week where people reply things. So we still get you guys sending us photos which of like different amazing. copies of your books, which is amazing. But also we're like, what the hell? Where has this come from? <laughs> oh, I so, love it. Yeah. So Harry writes this series and Hedwig gets in a huff with him because he's using another owl. I love her. She is perfect. She is so cute. Mm -hmm. And then the whole school are being dicks to Harry, especially Malfoy, as usual. And I think think the whole school being angry at Harry is really the start of the Harry as attention seeker rhetoric, which like obviously is a huge part of book five. And I kind of forget it started off here. Like this is the beginning of it because... To be honest, from the school's perspective, like if I was another pupil there, I would think Harry was a giant show off. Yeah. It's like, like every year he's been involved in some something. Yeah. In first year, like in second year, it was the Chamber of Secrets. In first year, he snuck out school and lost them all those points. And now, like, yeah, if I was a normal pupil, not knowing what like Hermione and Ron know, I would think Harry entered himself. Like, I don't know there's a plot to kill him. I would mm-hmm. think he's a little show off twerp so i can understand where this rhetoric comes from but this becomes really 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 important when voldemort comes back that no one believes him and no one believes him because why would they they think he lied about getting into the tournament there is a foundation being laid down a year prior that harry is a liar yeah and it really is where like rita skeeter starts her Mm. narrative that then she then builds on later on yeah definitely so Hagrid says the line everything seems to happen to you which just (laughs) takes you out of the book so much because it's just like what the reader would say it's like yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) so then we switch to potions this book has a this chapter has a lot of hopping about and all the Slytherins are wearing support Cedric Potter stinks badges which are so fucking childish yeah like one shit insult and two I do feel like this was like you know back in school when you used to go through like crazes like everyone would like want one thing oh my god do you remember the the charity armbands that then became not a charity thing 
and you yeah. would just have like a stack of them on your wrist and like i don't know there was obviously always like pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh cards there were those scoobies 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 was literally what i was just trying to um, oh my god scoobies that was such a thing like no one was playing everyone was just making scoobies yeah maybe we should bring scoobies back in isolation i loved scoobies if no Um, one knows what scoobies are we'll tweet a picture yeah there were pogs as well um what what other crazes were there what are pogs crazes but yeah so this was definitely the year that hogwarts went through its bad craze you had spew you had the hating harry ones yeah like and i remember when we had our badge phase and you all used to go to hmv and buy those badges that were like i hate everyone and like my chemical romance and like shit like that like the coolest thing was to have your school bag basically covered in badges and also key ring things mm-hmm. so to the point where it would just be like a ball on the end of your zip pull full of those key ring things yeah i had so many badges on mine there's a little emo girl that clearly lives by me and i love her because every morning when i'm like walking to the train station to get to work she's walking to school in her little uniform with her like emo fringe and black hair and her like bag is like covered in emo badges and i'm just like you you're my spirit animal like <laughs> i love you don't like, say that to her no i was like oh my god i should give her my old cds and then i was like i will get arrested yeah charlie it's podcast news we have to stop because <laughs> jail won't allow charlie to record <laughs> trying wanna... to record an episode in your half an hour phone time i just want to be her friend no charlie but yeah it's definitely a badge phase but also potter stinks like Draco is so unimaginative yeah it's shocking it's so bad it's like comical and i know it's yeah. probably supposed to be comical but it is comical how shit he is yeah and harry is so, so witty harry is so witty whereas like draco is just like it's shit. just n- none of the wit yeah. well hermione even calls him out on it she's like wow so witty really great which causes malfoy to call her a mudblood which is great you know just casual racism in the halls so harry goes for his wand obviously mm-hmm. and they both shoot spells at each other the spells hit in midair which is kind of weird to think about because it makes you think spells are kind of solid yeah they hit in midair but whatever they ricochet and they hit goyle and hermione hermione's teeth begin to elongate rapidly so they're like her two front teeth are like past her chin part down to her collar and Snape arrives and says the classic Snape line. You know, it's up there with, after all this time, always, with, um, I see no difference. Which is just the lowest Snape has ever got. This is a 15-year-old girl. And he is a 30-something-year-old male teacher. Yeah. And he's insulting her looks. It's disgusting that's enough to fuck you up for life like it was like i know it was enough being bullied for my looks by my peers in school i cannot imagine yeah how horrible that would be to be bullied by adults who are meant to be in charge of you yeah and like obviously it's still still not okay but you understand kind of snake being a dick to harry because of his that it's still not okay yeah still not okay but you understand his his snake in snape's brain harry's the enemy but Hermione has done nothing. No, literally nothing. nothing. She's so, done nothing wrong. Yeah. My notes on this, word for word, were he's a cunt, 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 cunty, yep. cunt, mc, cunty face, cunt, cunt, wanker. 
it's i it i just think this is unforgivable and i know snape redeems himself whatever and like yeah he was brave he doesn't like, well he like redeems himself in some ways like in the war effort in like that kind of way and he was brave in some ways but harry naming his child after him when this was snape's essence like this was still snape being a person he wasn't pretending here he wasn't like it wasn't when he was like a double agent pretending Mm -hmm. to be a death eater and having to torture people because voldemort was watching he was only a fucking double agent because he had a weird creepy obsession with harry's mum meanwhile hagrid honestly i weep for hagrid like i weep for hagrid that kid should have been albus arthur weasley no not albus arthur hagrid arthur rubius yeah or rubius arthur like not even albus fuck off dumbledore well no he's all right but you know he's kind Mm. of a dick yeah a bit of both you know that's the fun of dumbledore yeah honestly but hagrid is the one i really weep for like he was done dirty he carried what he thought was harry's dead body sobbing yep like bitch almost killed harry by drowning him in his tears like oh. and you choose snape who called you said to you who bullied you and your best friend and neville look what he did to neville and you just harry's a fucking idiot and snape is. is a cunt so there we go so harry and ron harry- both start screaming at snape i imagine they are saying the cunt 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 cunty mccunt face yeah cunt. harry says he's glad they start screaming at the same time and that the corridor is echoey and i'm like yeah they were be- definitely screaming bastard cunt yeah yeah so then understandably Things. kind of snape gives some detention <laughs> and 50 points from gryffindor yeah. Yeah, and then um, Snape says that today they'll be testing antidotes and then they're gonna like test them on someone and then he looks at Harry. He's like, gonna poison you. You can't poison your students. You can, you can do anything you want at Hogwarts. We've discussed this. It's so Fine. bad. This is not education. This is a PTSD and corpse factory. It's all part of Dumbledore's death quota. So Colin then comes in the classroom, Colin Creevy, and uh to take harry to what he calls photographs which harry is like i'm gonna fucking kill this kid like no colin uh but the champions and bagman are all there and bagman explains that it is the wand weighing ceremony Mm. well there are no scales involved the wands are never weighed uh but this is where we are introduced to rita skeeter and Oh boy, if we thought that the description of Madame Maxine and Karkaroff wasn't great, it doesn't even hold a candle to this description of Rita Skeeter. Let me read you some choice phrases I pulled out. Heavy jawed, thick fingers, mannish hands, penciled brows, two inch nails. I don't know why we're surprised that she's a massive transphobe, honestly. I know, it's just, I'm like just reading this like, Ah, oh, look at this Manish. transphobic. <laughs> look at this terribly transphobic passage. Why were we shocked? We've said it a million times before, but any time there is a bad character, they are described as the opposite gender. They're either like, feminine or mannish. But for the other characters, it's like it's usually like one descriptive, like a high voice or a truty mm-hmm. voice, or you know, Madame Maxine is large, like larger than she should be. But this is just like everything about her her hair is fake curled her nails are fake so what jk rowling is essentially doing is assigning fake 
feminine attributes to her in a negative connotation basically saying that all these attributes look like they're stuck on like they don't suit her because she has a mannish appearance and therefore that makes her bad yeah and it's it's uncreative as well because it's just so incredibly cliche and it's like if you made me describe Rita Skeeter outside of the films and outside this awful description I think it's much more interesting if she's like a young attractive woman like a woman in her 20s who is out there trying to get her career and doing it in a really shitty unethical way the woman that you would imagine working for a kind of gossip magazine someone very cutthroat out for themselves like that kind of like it could explore like obviously the I was going to say the girl boss narrative wasn't about in 2000, but it could describe, uh, explore that kind of girl boss narrative that is so prevalent, but no. Yeah, which obviously that is like a bit of a cliche to talk about your like cutthroat girl boss business, but it's it's far more interesting than just being like, this is another ugly, bad character. <laughs> it's and like, like they're ugly because they look like a man who's had feminine features stuck to them it's so anti-trans it's very anti-drag it's 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 just bad and uncreative as well as all those other things like boring in my head rita skeeter is like like kind of maybe like late 20s quite attractive very suave confident uh charismatic manipulative yep I can see her. She's like girls I knew kind of at uni and in the first stages of my career who would like cut you down to get where they were going in yeah. their career mm-hmm. and just make shit up. So she takes him into a broom cupboard. Which... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why it's making me laugh. It's kind of inappropriate. And it's like, we'll get into this like more in the film as well. But like the bit in this film is just like horrific because it really is like they lay on thick the like kind of paedophilic undertones it's a little bit paedophilic undertones it's bizarre honestly and like i know that we talk so much about how bad hogwarts is but like where are the safety checks where is her dbs where is the like chaperone here like how are you letting an underage student who hasn't consented to any of this he's not consented to his photo being used um he didn't consent to being interviewed and you're being let him be letting him being interviewed in a fucking cupboard with a much much older woman Yep. I mean, also part of me is like, I can see that happening. Like for like that kind of age group is where people do unfortunately start to slip through the cracks because people think they're old enough and they're more mature and that they, because for like that kind of age group are coming to an age where they are making decisions for themselves, people take advantage of that. Because like Bagman is like, oh, Harry, you don't mind. And Harry's like, uh, but Harry's also at an age where he doesn't realise and he only starts to do this in book six that he can turn around and say no yeah like no it takes a bit, it takes him two more books to realize this because he is a child at this point yeah when i was like 14 15 no was not a word that i knew or used no. if i was saying yeah. no to something it would be being like uh or like making excuses or trying to like reason or ask questions but i would never just look someone in the eye and go no no yeah exactly so she interviews him using the quick quotes quill which i called i nicknamed the daily mail pen yeah it it's kind of adding things that aren't being said but we're not sure how much yet because then dumbledore interrupts them he's like hey get get out the broom cupboard please 
Yeah. It's just so dodgy. Why is it in a brick? I don't understand. It's not like Hogwarts isn't big enough that there could have been a spare classroom. Because she didn't want people to find her. So they go back to the room and Ollivander is there. A wild Ollivander appears to examine the wands. Uh, we learn that Fleur's wand contains her grandmother's Vila hair, confirming the theory that they had that Fleur is part Vila. Cedric is next and he says he polished his wand last night. Yeah, uh, he did. Which leads ha- ha- Harry to frantically try to clean his on his robes. And then I love Crumb- this because it I is know. just like how you feel versus like older students. In fact, even now, when I like, I work with people like a few years older than me and they just seem to like, always just know what they're doing about like every aspect of life yep it's like definitely if they were like oh yeah i polished my pen this morning i'd be like fuck like rubbing it from the jumper i know and they're just like yeah i'm just gonna go home and like do this and i'm like how do you not have like washing up piling up everywhere and just like haven't paid your bills and just shit happening like why are you why have you got this all together and i do not i know i mean tell me about it out my four-person team two of them are now pregnant and I'm just like, no. And now I'm having nightmares about it. <laughs> so Crumb's wand is then examined and we get a very tiny mention of Grigorovich, which it, when that gets brought up in book seven is such a fucking callback. Like no one is going to remember that. No. It's, no one. It's so, I, I always find it like ridiculous that Harry does actually remember. Like, I know. I would never remember that. Yeah. So it's ha- it's then Harry's turn and we get an entire like two paragraph flashback to buying his wand, which I'm, I'm not going to repeat. Uh, they like, take- editor, come on. You can do this. You don't you need that. You can do that. this. Say no, say no just, to JK. I suppose, okay. No, okay. I do know why it's in there. I do understand why it's in there. It's because we haven't heard about the same cause being shared since book one and this is the book where the twin cores become important and i do think you need to put that in readers minds yeah. just because it becomes so important at the end of the book it kind of needs to be said here so i do understand but also i was like mm, okay that paragraph it could have they been shorter some, yeah they take some photos and there is an answer from sirius arranging a fire meeting so those were some chapters what did you think of them I liked them. They're the kind of chapters I really like to read to relax because they're very like normal Hogwarts life. But they're also the kind of chapters that are difficult to make notes on because it's like, now we're in Karen Magical Features. Now we're in this. Now we're here. Now we're here. Now we're here. And I'm like, what? Who? Yeah. But I like them. What about you? Yeah. Yeah, they were right. Not a huge amount happens, but it's also like weird that we're now halfway through this book. And we're only just about to have the first tournament. I know. But it's just weird getting used to these longer books when with the first three are so differently written. written Yeah. So differently. It's like, because I've been reading the His Dark Material series and I've been recording my like thoughts and predictions for Patreon bonus episodes. But reading that, one of the things I'm just like, what do you mean the first book is over? Like, I forget that not all like fantasy books have to be like huge fucking like fifth harry potter books game of thrones size like oh my honestly i would love to finish game of thrones i think i got like part way through the second book or part way through the third i can't even remember but like i just how i just it kills me because i'm like the amount of other books i could read in the time it would take me to read one game of thrones see i you say that but once i'm about 100 pages into one of those books like once i'm in it I race through it. I I go really fast. It's just that first few chapters where you're like, oh my god. 
Yeah, maybe that will be my lockdown task once I finish his dark materials. It's just like, you know how people talk about like reading War and Peace? Is that the really long one? Yeah, I don't. I yeah. have no desire to read that. No, but they just like they do it just to say that they've done it. I feel like that's oh, me yeah. in Game of Thrones. I'm just like, I love it, but oh, oh my god, use less words. Yeah. So yeah, chapters, things happened. They did. I drank a disgusting drink, and I now need to clean my teeth. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm trying to think if we have anything else to say. I'm doing a little dance. Question. Oh yes had a question oh my god i need to plug my laptop in charlie i'm on six percent oh you're living on the edge so the patreon question is from thomas oh no (laughs) i'm so sorry thomas i'm gonna butcher this it is thomas drogmuller i can't believe that i study german and i just can't i see umlauts and i'm just like ah (laughs) um yeah do correct us i'm very sorry who wants to know where do you think in brackets or no remus lupin was during harry's childhood in number four privet drive i think i read once but i'm wondering if i imagined this or if it was like a fan fiction i read when i was like 16 or something whether he was like in a cottage that he just like found that someone had like died in during the war and no one had worried about and he just was kind of squatting in there until Dumbledore was like hey do you want a job yeah I've never heard that I just I don't know I imagine that he was kind of like living in squalor maybe even homeless because we know he wasn't working yeah but yeah I just imagine just like roaming about living in squalor and obviously he couldn't contact harry um because yeah. of the dursleys but yeah i don't and know also, it's, an, it's an interesting question isn't it yeah also like could he have contacted harry i suppose not does he know where he was like it depends mm-hmm. like what happened immediately after voldemort fell like we just don't really know yeah that's a good I question imagine him, it is i imagine him just kind of hopping between different abandoned houses and kind of wandering about sleeping rough sometimes yeah unfortunately yeah sad yeah. good question thank you very much good for that, question Thomas thank you very- d yes <laughs> thank you and thank you guys for listening to this week's episode we will see you in the next one bye, bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Goblet of Wine. To find us on social media, search at Goblet of Wine Pod on Twitter or at Goblet of Wine Podcast on Instagram. We also have a website over at www.gobletofwine.co.uk where you can keep up with everything that we do. This podcast is produced by our wonderful Hufflepuff tier patrons. VR, Nathan, Amanda, Catherine, Mark, Katie, Sandra, Danny and Mutalib. If you'd like to support this podcast, check out our Goblet of Wine Patreon where you can also gain access to bonus episodes behind the scenes content and our discord thank you so much for listening to this episode and we'll see you in the next one bye Bye.